Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We are so happy you're here. Pastor CJ is continuing in the series, Missing Peace. Today's missing peace is Jesus. It's one thing to say you love Jesus, but to live for Jesus with your whole heart is another. Is living for Jesus the missing piece in your life? We hope you enjoy this message. I'll just let you know that. Take all your sermon notes today. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. How many know we got to have the Word, got to have the Word, got to have the Word? Amen? It's the Word that transforms, changes, and rearranges our life. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word. I pray that as you hear the Word, it transforms you. It transforms your thinking, transforms your life, transforms the hope in you that when you hear the Word, it gives you hope of knowing that if God did it back then, He can do it today. Amen? And we've been in a series, if you're new today, we've been in a series called The Missing Piece. The last couple of weeks we talked about the missing piece is you. It's you that God needs you to enlist, to join the team, to get involved. Many hands make light work. And as we say that, I want to give a shout out to Arlu and Brian, uh, to, to Jerry, uh, to, yeah, Jerry, Charlie, where's Charlie? Charlie, and, 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 and to the rest, and for Dave Clark, and to Michael, for all those that put together last week the Adventure Ranch. Wasn't that awesome last week? That was so fun. I got on a horse again. I haven't been on a horse in a long time. Thank you, Arlu and all those that put that together. Can we show our appreciation to that? Wasn't that cool? Wasn't that, that, wasn't that awesome? And I just want to say thank you. They were living out the sermon that I've been talking about over the last couple of weeks about serving. But if you have your sermon notes, I want to just recap some things about serving. First of all, blessings. The blessings that come with serving. How many know that blessings come with serving? You see, the first thing is this. You act out Jesus. In other words, you are the hands and feet of Jesus when you do what Jesus does, and that was to serve. Mark 10.45 says Jesus didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And when you serve, it's acting out Jesus. And Jesus gets excited to see that his people are serving and carrying out the kingdom. Amen? So that's the part of serving, that I'm doing the work of the will of the Father by doing serving. And the number two is those who serve become great in the kingdom. A lot of times people say, well, Pastor, how do you become great in the kingdom? It's by serving. You see, it's by serving that, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. And one of the ways that I'm going to show my love to you is serving. And, Lord, I'm going to start there because Jesus looks at, he says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's humbling yourself that, God, whatever I need to do, wherever you need me, God, I'm going to do my part because many hands work for the glory of God, make, make light work. And so, God, I'm going to serve and do my part. Number two, you become a blessing to others, just like our Lou and Brian and, and Jerry and all these guys were, they were a blessing to those kids. We had 374 people that were here last Sunday. Was that amazing? Come on, give God the glory. Isn't that awesome? That, that's just a God thing. I mean, and there were so many new families. and We have so many new kids upstairs. By November 1st, we are going to go to two services for our children's church. Uh, we're splitting them. We're going to have the older kids upstairs and the younger kids downstairs. And so when you come with the younger kids, and we'll have that divided out, the younger kids will go downstairs, and we'll keep them separated the whole time, and the older kids will go upstairs, and we're, we're adding some new things to our, our, care, our, new, our nursery, our, our little younger kids. We're adding some things to You're going to be excited about that. But you become a blessing to others. Number three, uh, four, you are using the gifts that God has given you. 
The greatest thing is that Jesus says in Romans, he says his gift and his callings are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine, He says that his gifts and his callings are irrevocable. So what God gives you, he never takes away, right? God doesn't give you and then say, hey, I want it back. He doesn't say that. He gives it to you so that you can use them, Chris, for his glory and for your, his honor. And when God gives them to you, he distributes them in the way that he sees fit to give them to you. The only way that you can lose your gift is by you not using it. That's the only way that you can lose your gift. Jesus never takes it away. But what happens is we sometimes sit on our gifts and don't use it so that when we're called to action or called to duty, our gift is covered up with dirt or dust or whatever else. And when we try to move out into that gift that we have, we are intimidated because we haven't used it in a while. We haven't used it in a while, so what happens is we start walking out in this thing, and because we don't feel comfortable now in our gift, what we do is we retreat and we just sit on our gift and never use it. But God never took it back from you or never took it away from you. You just covered it up. And what God wants you to do is uncover that what's inside of you and find your purpose and your reason of existing is walking out in your gifts or the calling that God has placed in your life. And so that's the thing. Serving is hard, but it has a great reward. How many know that's true? It's hard. You know, I love catching fish, but it's hard cleaning them. You know, it's hard. A lot of you like catch and release. I love that because then I can catch them, have fun dragging them in, have my real, I love all that stuff, but I hate cleaning them. Amen. And uh, so it's hard. Another one is this, serving is a lifestyle that we should every day look to do so we can act out Jesus. It's a lifestyle. It's not just a hit and run thing that, God, I'm going to serve you today and not tomorrow. That it's a lifestyle that, God, I'm committed to you day in and day out. I'm going to make this part of me. That's why Colossians says, be wise in the way you act and make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act. Make the most of every opportunity. Seize the moment. Be the surfer that catches the wave when it comes in. Seize that moment. Don't wait and let it pass by and then murmur and complain because you're not part of the outcome. Seize that moment. Serving makes you blessed. How many of you know that it makes you blessed to serve? It really does. Why? Because you get to be a part of the outcome of the game. You get to be a part of what's happening. Man, you get to be a part just like Arlu and the rest that put all that together. They, man, got to see the smiles on the kids' faces. And you know what? One of the great things about yesterday, last week is that, man, there were many kids that never rode a horse and they had such a fear of riding a horse. And so because our Lou spoke on fear and they got to be around horses, those kids got on horses. And I had a little girl come up to me and say, Pastor CJ, Pastor CJ, I've never rode a horse before until this yesterday, referring to last week. And she said, I never rode a horse before that. But she said, I was so afraid of it. But I got on that horse and I not only rode it one time, but I rode it two times. Man, Pastor CJ. And she was smiling. You see, what serving does, it blesses you because you get to see the smile on other faces. But also, Jesus is proud. When you serve, you're his hands and his feet extended, and you're walking out the call of the duty of the Lord. Jesus says in 1 John 2, 6, he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk? He walked as a servant. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And see, he is proud of his people when he sees you serve. My son's, uh, my little granddaughter, my son's daughter, she went tried out for an AAU team. 
And it was two grades higher than she was, or a grade higher than she was. And so she was younger, and she was a grade lower, but yet she was moving into the age bracket for that grade. And so they had her try out for AAU. And so AAU is a traveling basketball team. It's an advanced basketball team. And so here she's trying out for it. So they kind of set the stage for Riley to try out for this basketball team. They said, Riley, we understand that, you know, you're a year below this group, and, you know, you got next year. And they were trying to prepare her for maybe not making the team, you know, and uh, how many have ever got cut from a team and you just had that scar from being cut and you went to look and see if your name was on the roster and it just done something to you, it hurts you, that you, next year you didn't try out. Well, they wanted to kind of prepare her that Riley, um, you might not make it, you know, you got next year and all these things. So she tried out for the team and so lo and behold, a week later the roster came out and man, my granddaughter made it. And I mean to tell you, she made the, the traveling team. And my son was so proud. He was so excited. He was plastering all over on our texts. Man, our, we have a group text with our family. And he even shouldered a little pink little Nikes that they're going to start wearing as their team. And they're going to a, a tournament already in Vegas to play in Vegas. And he was so proud, so happy. You know what? That's Jesus to you. Isn't Jesus your Abba Father? Your Papa Daddy, Right? And so whenever you do for God, guess what he does? He gets excited. He gets excited because he sees his son and his daughter, Molly, working it out for him. So everything that you do, God's saying, yeah, that's my daughter. Yeah, that's my son. Yeah, they're doing it for my glory. Yeah, and he's up in heaven. And you know what? He's so excited that the angels in heaven get excited too. And why do you have cheerleaders on the sidelines? Because when there's a low in the game, what is it supposed to be a cheerleader? It's supposed to cheer them up to keep the momentum going, right? Keep the morale up. Keep the, keep the spirits up. That's what cheerleaders do. Bang, bang, choo-choo, train, Craig Johnson did his thing. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Adventure church, venture church. If your mama said you're going to win tonight, you got to do your thing. You got to do it right. Am I right or wrong? Right on. Am I right or wrong? Man, see, pump you up, right? But see, your, your father gets proud of you. And, but here's the great thing. He gets proud of you and others get happy. Why? Because when you serve someone a cup of cold water, as the Bible says, it does something to them. And you know what people do? People don't care how much you know. People want to know how much you care. And what people always do, Mark, they always want to see if you're real, are you really authentic? Are you one of those ones that follow through on your word? Are you genuine? You see, that's what people really look for. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go the extra mile? That's what people really care about. You see, they want to see, are you really genuine? Are you willing to show that you care? Are you really to go the extra mile? And when you do that, it blesses others and makes them happy. How many have been served by someone that made you happy? Amen. I'll tell you, amen. Jerry's saying, my wife, my wife, amen. But that's what it does, and it does those things. I want to take an intermission break here because i got to turn this over to my, my board member, and I don't want to miss this opportunity for what we're getting ready to do. And hold your notes because, man, this morning, let me just tell you as, as, as our head elder uh, board member comes, this morning, Randy, check this out. This morning in our first service, Bob, 12 new people came to Jesus this morning. Come on, give the Lord praise. Man, and so I, I want you to hold your seats, okay? But I'm going to turn this over to Jeff. Am I supposed to preach? 
no. Good morning. I uh, am here this morning to honor pastors and staff, Lord. Um, in fact, why don't you uh, come on up here? Cheryl, Beck, Carolyn. I think Josh is gone. He had to leave. So I just want to say that these people are the Energizer bunnies, times two. They work and work through the thick and the thin, the good and the bad. So I just want to say for myself, I appreciate these guys. Something. They are something, and they have brought this church so far. So it, I want you to keep them in prayer. They really need it. And the leaders of this church and all the staff, they go through it too. So today we are honoring them with gifts. And I would appreciate it if you could give them your last nickel. <laughs> so, because they deserve every penny. They really do. And they are a blessing to us. And the plans to move forward are just awesome. So it's been hard for me, old guy, to keep up, but I'm running hard. <laughs> so we just ask blessings. And I'd like to pray for you. Lord, just bless the pastors and staff and all that goes on here, Lord. You are such a awesome Lord that you just, uh, I don't even know what to say sometimes, Lord, but you certainly do move and make the plans come, Lord. They come true, Lord, and what a blessing. So put blessings on these pastors and staff, Lord. Just bless them, bless them. It's just, it's so awesome, Lord, it takes your breath away. So, Lord, we just ask for blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have the ushers come forward. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're going to write a check or whatever you do, I don't know about the online stuff, but mark in the memo pastors so that the counters will know hopefully what they're doing. Praise the Lord. Thank you as you give today. I'm sorry we had to take a commercial break. People ask me, why have we started doing that? Every church that I go to, we make sure we do this. And I'll tell you why, okay? It's not because we're asking for money from you. But let me ask you something. How many of you work over 40 hours a week? All right? When you work those 40 hours a week, after that 40 hours, do you get overtime? Some, who said yeah? Yeah, yeah. Lisa's saying no, but majority of time, you get time and a half, or even if you work like sometime on Sundays, you get double time, correct? Well, do you know what the average pastor works a week? 50 to 65 hours a week. That's the facts, right, Jack? You guys are pastors. Uh, you work 50 to 60 hours a week, and we never get overtime. Randy, you're in ministry. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
And so when I came on as staff, as, as pastor, every church I do is because I want to recognize our staff and bless them because they work over the hours in which they're supposed to work. And I, I tell you, Pastor Crystal, Pastor Jeremiah, Pastor Josh, all our staff, Pastor Carolyn, I'm so grateful for them, and I truly love them with all their heart. And that's why we do this. So thank you as you give today. Thank you. I mean that. I really mean that. God bless you. You're helping us with our overtime. Amen? Is that a, is that a good term? Amen. So let's get back into the Word. As the offering bag is being passed, in Matthew 22, verses 37 39, Jesus gives us a commission or a command. And the talk, topic today that I want to talk about is the missing piece is Jesus. You know, I hear a lot of times people say to me, Pastor, I don't feel the fullness of God, and why do I never seem to get the blessings or these things that other people seem to talk about? Well, let me just say this. Jesus says if you're lukewarm, he will spool you out of his mouth. That Jesus doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He wants you to be either hot or cold. You know, we can say we love Jesus, but saying it and doing it is one different, it's a different thing. Even the demons, the Bible say in James 2.19, that even the demons believe there's a God. Even the demons say, hey, there's a God. They recognize there is a God. They recognize there's a greater force. They recognize there's a, a greater authority. Even in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says that, that the Lord has given us authority to place the enemy under our feet. You know what your shoes should say on your feet? Devil. You know, you ever see a wedding, man, when a guy's getting kneeling at a wedding and he puts on his feet, help me, on the bottom of his shoes? You're, on the bottom of your shoes should say the devil. He's under my feet, right? He's given us authority. And if Jesus has given us authority, obviously there's a reason for that, that there really is an enemy. There really is a devil, right? And so how do we overcome the devil? It's not by our own strength or our own power or our own ability. We overcome the enemy by the greater force that lives in us, and that force is Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. So Jesus is saying, listen, the missing piece that maybe that you're missing in your life is Jesus. Maybe you're just one of those Christians that are going through the motion. You see, you can make a lot of motion, and all that emotion that you're making can create a lot of commotion. But motion and commotion doesn't get it done with Jesus. It may sound good, it may look good, it may act good, but really there's no authority or any teeth behind it if you don't have Jesus really sold out in your life. How many can say amen to that? Amen? So Jesus tells us two great things. You see, he tells us two great things, and the reason why he points these out is because if you're not in line with Jesus and you're not in the plumb line, the Bible says in Isaiah that the plumb line will stand before you, and the plumb line, if you're anything like a carpenter, what it does, it makes the line straight. And what happens is Jesus is saying the plumb line one day in your life is going to stand before you to see if you're straight. Are you straight with God? Are you walking in right standing with the Lord? And one day that's going to happen. And that day could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next year. We never know. He come like a twinkle of an eye, right? And so Jesus wants us to do our part in the meantime of getting ready, packing your bags. One of the things when you go, man, on a trip, what do you do? You get your suitcase, and usually you overpack when you go out of town, right? You don't need all the clothes that you usually need. You go out and buy new clothes because you want to dress the part, whatever it may be, right? So you're packing your bags. How many of you know that we as Christians should be packing our bags every day? 
leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. We're leaving on a jet plane. You know what it is? That the dead in Christ shall arrive first, and us, we shall be caught up in the air. But are you ready? Are you ready to be caught up in the air? One of the scariest things I always have when I travel overseas, when, when we built an orphanage in Guatemala, when we built a church in Ecuador, when every time we crossed over the border or we went into these foreign countries, my biggest fear was when we had to go to sec through security. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm telling you, they can just pull you over for anything. When we were in Russia, when we were building a church in Russia, I'll never forget, we were going down the street in Russia, minding our own business, and believe me, they have a McDonald's in Russia, but it doesn't say McDonald's, it says it in Russian. So whatever it says in McDonald's, it's a McDonald's. The only way I knew it was a McDonald's, by the arches. Thank God it gave me something. Hey, that's American. I want to go there. But you know what was happening? We were driving down the street, minding our own business, and all of a sudden there was a police officer. It almost looked like Star Wars. He had this long wand with a lid at the end, just like Star Wars, like one of those wands. And he points at our car, and he pulls us over. We weren't doing anything. We had nothing that we did wrong. Man, but you know what it was? He wanted money. And so what we did, the, the missionary's daughter, the missionary's daughter would not give that police officer money because it was a racket. So what happened was the missionary's daughter called her father, who's the missionary, and he's well-known in this village. So what happened was he came, and he argued. He literally sat there on the curb arguing with this officer. We are not paying you for these people. They didn't do anything wrong. They're not paying you. You're not going to send them to jail. And if you think you are, I'm going to report you. And this man had authority in a position as a great, strong missionary. And so guess what he did? After an hour and some time that we stayed there on the curb, being embarrassed by every car going by, how many you ever got a ticket and you're putting your head down because you don't want people to see who it is, right? What happened was because he was the missionary, he had the authority over that police officer and we were able to go. That's what Jesus is to you. He has the authority to supersede anything that comes your way, any attack that comes your way. When the enemy tries to pull you over, when he tries to bring you down, when he tries to discourage you, guess what? Jesus has the authority to supersede every assignment, every attack, everything that comes your way. But, here's the but, we forfeit sometimes that in our lives because we're not totally like Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So that is your badge of who you are. That God, you're going to supersede all these attacks in my life because first and foremost, I love you with all my heart. You see, Jesus doesn't want lip service. He wants heart service. And anybody can say, I praise you, Jesus. I love you. The Bible says salt water and fresh water cannot mix because else they'll be polluted. What Jesus wants, he wants a heart that's totally committed and sold out for him. And what happens a lot of times, we're walking around as limp Christians because I'm a Christian, but we're not sold out. So the enemy recognizes you and he beats you up. So Jesus said, how can you say that you're a believer if you have one foot in and one foot out? A lot of us are putting 
put the right foot in, you put your left foot out, you put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Boom, boom. You know what? That's what we do. We're doing a hokey pokey with God. We got one foot in and one foot out. And we're doing a hokey pokey and we're not committed, Chris, to wholeheartedly following God. And so because of that, we are prey to the enemy because he always looks for the weakest link. And if he sees that you're not committed and sold out to him, he's going to keep pouncing on you, beating you up, and destroying you and keeping you from the blessings of God because he sees that you have one foot in and one foot out. Right foot stomp, left foot stomp, right? And we do the motions, but we're not committed. So he said, you got to be sold out. But then he says this, and the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, if you love Jesus, how can you not, not love God if you don't love your neighbor? Because God is love. God forgives. God loves. He accepts. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So he says, you've got to love your neighbor. And because of my love for God, I'm going to love my neighbor. Even if, now get this, even if my neighbor has wronged me, I'm going to love my neighbor because the word says, how can I love God if I don't love people because God is love? And if I, my people have wronged me, if they've done things to me, I'm going to love them because God is love. So the two greatest commands is, guys, listen, you've got to be sold out to God. I don't want to be lukewarm because he's going to spool me out of my mouth. You see, you can always tell where people's thoughts are by what that comes out of their mouth. How many you know that's true? You can always tell if somebody's read the newspaper or somebody's done this or whatever book you're reading because whatever you're reading, whatever you're talking, whether it's the word, whether you're praying, it's always going to come out because you know what Jesus says? He's enthroned on your heart, right? The Bible says like in Mark and Luke, if you have your Bible there or on the screen, Luke 6.45, look what he says. A good man brings good out of the good stored in his heart. Who lives on your heart? Jesus, who's supposed to be there? Jesus. Jesus doesn't want half-empty Christians. He wants full Christians. He wants you to be sold out to him. He wants you to be committed, not just going through the motions, not just saying I'm a Christian. Anybody can say I'm a believer. What does Christian mean? Christ-like. Are you really demonstrating Christ-like? I want this church, Adventure Church, to be so full of Christ, so full of his likeness, so full of his presence, that people, when we walk out of this place, that these communities around us know that, man, there's something different about the people that go to this church. Man, Adventure Church really is about Christ. And I want that to be known in these communities, not who we are or what my name is, but who I stand for, and that's Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. amen? And so he says, listen, out of the over his heart, his mouth speaks. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now watch this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What are you full of today? Are you full of yourself? Are you full of pride? Are you full of anger? Are you full of resentment? Or are you full of Jesus? You see, if you're full of Jesus, committed to Jesus, it's going to come out of you. And Jesus is the one that transforms you and changes you and makes you new. Isn't that correct? So he said, are you full of Jesus? Look at this. Our words are x-rays of what's inside of you. They're x-rays of what's inside of you. What's in your heart today? Is Jesus really in you? You see, our DNA should be in Jesus. Living... Uh, serving, uh, uh, our words should be as uh, x-rays to our heart. If your heart was x-rayed, would they see Jesus in you? 
Where do they see that Jesus in you? Jesus doesn't want a friendship. He wants a relationship. You know what religion is? Religion is man's search for God. That's what religion is. That, hey, I'm religious. I go to church. That's only man's search for God. God doesn't want religion. God wants a relationship. God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship out of you. He wants to be intimate with you. Why did I have you stand in your place this morning and say, in your sacred place? Because God wants to speak to you as an individual. He's an intimate God. He's a relational God. And he wants to be friends with you, and not only friends with you, but he wants to be intimate with you. How many of you remember the day when you first started dating your spouse? Oh, yeah. Man, Jerry, you are just bubbling over there, a bubble, a bubbling. A bubble, a bubble. Jerry's just bubbling over there, man. He's smiling or something. I mean, he's happy, 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 happy. I mean, but you know, how many remember, really seriously remember that day? I, I remember the day. I really do. I remember the day. I can go back to that day. And I remember when it first met my wife, it was friendship. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're getting to know each other. You're developing that friendship and so on. But as time progressed, what happened? It moved from friendship into a relationship. How many remember the day when the guy said to you or the girl said to you, you mean you're my girlfriend? Oh, how many remember that? Really, seriously. And when you transferred from friendship to girlfriend or to boyfriend, all of a sudden, man, that, and then from boyfriend to girlfriend to the ring, does my ring hurt your finger when you go out at night, right? You go from the ring, and then it goes from the ring to the altar, right? And from the altar to the vows, from the vows to commitment, to commitment forever. But it all started from a friendship that built into a, a relationship. And it's the same way with God. He wants not just a friendship. We sing this song by Beth Midler. How many remember the song? God is watching you. God is watching from a distance, right? I don't want God to be watching me from a distance. I want God to be living and dwelling in me. I don't want him to be from a distance because that means he's just some distant friend. But he's a relational friend. He's a friend that wants to be intimate with me. I don't want that. Jesus doesn't want just lip service, but he wants a heart sold out to him. He doesn't want lip service. Oh, I praise you. You see, in Matthew 15, 8 and 9, it says this. He says in Matthew 15, 8, these people honor me with their lips. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about the hierarchies, the rulers, and so on, the places, people of authority. He said they honor me with their lips. But he says this, but their hearts are far from me. Where does God make a contact with you or connection with you? It's in your heart. Do you remember the day when you gave your heart to Jesus and you felt that Holy Ghost goosebumps or that transformation, that change? What did you do? You gave him your heart. And when you gave him your heart, he transformed you. And he says this, they worship me in vain. What do you mean in vain? When vain means that you can say and do all the right things, have all the right Christian cliches, lift your hands and all these things. But in vain means, all that means is you can go through the motion, but if you're going through the motions without giving me your heart, all that is is in vain. All that is is just in vain. Then he goes on to say, their teachings are merely human rules. And that's all they are. They're just rules, guidelines, laws. But Jesus said, hey, out of my relationship with you, then you're going to want to change and be more like me. You see, listen, to say you love Jesus is one thing. But to live for Jesus with your whole heart is another thing. How many know that's true? 
How many know by living wholeheartedly for Jesus is truly letting go of the old and taking on the new with Christ? Now, in Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, I, I believe that this is a lot of times what Christians are. How many of you ever played tug of war before, right? And when you're in a tug of war, you hang on to that rope and you get rope burns and slides through your hands and you're trying to pull the other team over the line, right? But sometimes that's what Christians are. And here's what it is. Look at this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, the Spirit that lives in you. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and God's Spirit lives in you? Walk in accordance with the Spirit that lives in you. Walk by the Spirit. He says this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, the further you get away from that fence, the further you get away from the world, he said the Bible says do not touch, do not taste, do not handle the things of the world. The further you get away from it, out of sight, out of mind, the less you're going to desire it. But if you're not totally committed and you have one foot in and one foot out, you're like in a tug of war. Some of you are like Stretch Armstrongs. You wonder why one arm's longer than the other? Because you're being pulled. And, man, that, you know what that does? It wears on you. So what has to happen, if you are a Christian or a believer, that means I have to draw a line in the sand and say I'm not crossing over. I'm committed. I'm sold out to the Lord with all my heart. And when the enemy sees that you mean business, man, if I come to you and you, Trina, and I tell you I love you, man, I care about you, and every time I do that, wham, she hits me in the face, wham, poof, you know what, eventually I'm not going to want to go to her. Why? Because every time I do, she hits me. That's the same way with the devil. If you keep standing for God, keep walking for God, that I'm sold out for the Lord, you know what you're doing in the physical or the spiritual? You're giving the devil the black eye. Bam! And the more you continue to do that, he's going to less bother you because he sees that you're committed, you're sold out to him. The enemy always attacks in two ways, when you're at your highest point of your life or when you're at the lowest of lows. And when you're at the lowest of lows, he wants to keep you there. But if you're consistent and you're alert, as it says in Ephesians 6.18, to pray in the spirit and be alert on all occasions, man, when the enemy comes in, bam, you give him that jab. Bam! And you know what? Eventually he's going to get the hint. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, right? But he says this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary? I'll go back to that. And the spirit, what is contrary to the spirit? For the spirit, what, for, for, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They're in conflict with each other. In other words, what are they doing? Back and forth, tug of war. So that you are not to do whatever you want. In other words, you're going to be confused. And the Bible says that God is not an author of confusion, but a God of peace. You know where confusion sets in? When you don't draw the line in the sand. Confusion sets in when you don't draw a line in the sand. That when you say, okay, I'm one foot in and I'm one foot out, I'm going to do the whole. But you make a line in the sand and you say, I'm not doing that. That's when peace starts to come into your life. That's when order starts to come back into your life. Because I do a line in the sand and confusion's not coming. I'm focused on the Lord. I'm not letting those things happen in my life. You see, John 10.10, 10, the Bible says that the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy. He comes to kill. That's what the enemy does. What does he want to do? He wants to kill. Now, get this. The enemy's whole mission in your life is to kill and destroy, first and foremost, your faith. 
He wants you to give up on your faith. He wants you to say things like this. Do you really believe you're God? Do you really believe that God can answer your prayers? Do you really believe that, man, God can do miracles? You see, that's why Jesus said to Peter, Peter, the devil is asked to sift you as wheat. But what did Jesus say? He could have came in, Lisa, just like that, in the twinkle of an eye. He could have took that battle. He could have stood toe-to-toe with the devil and said, devil, don't touch my servant. He could have done that with Job. But you know what he said? He said, Peter, I can do this, but Peter... Peter, I'm praying for your faith. And the reason why he said, Peter, I'm praying for your faith is because, Peter, I don't want you to give up. I want you to show you that faith works if you do not quit. Faith will pull you through if you do not quit. The enemy may try to steal what God has in store for you. The enemy may try to kill you and try to destroy your faith. But I'm praying for your faith that you don't quit. That's what God is praying for. Your faith means trust, love, belief in the Lord. So if he can destroy that element, Jane, in your life, they come against your faith, the enemy wins. When you throw up the towel and say, I don't believe this God anymore, this Jesus stuff anymore. He don't answer my prayers. He does everybody else. He must not love me and love them more than me. God doesn't play respect to a person. But we think that because that's where the enemy is attacking you at. Boom, 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 boom. You ever do the Chinese torture? Do that for a while. It'll drive you crazy. Isn't that exactly what the enemy does? He attacks your faith. He comes to kill, rob, and destroy. You see, listen, we will always be incomplete. We will always be incomplete uh, walking without Christ fully in you. You would always be incomplete. You're missing peace without Jesus. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, go ahead, Beck. In Romans chapter four, the 3, uh, I caught it at the wrong time. I'm sorry, Beck. It says this, all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know, if you have your notes, listen to this. We all have sinned. I have sinned and still do. You have sinned and still do. But here's the beautiful thing. God forgives. God forgives. And you have to accept that forgiveness. See, you look at this. I love this. The truth of these verses of Romans 3, 23 uh, through 24, is this. Either you're in sin or you're in Christ. There's no black or white. I mean, there's no gray. It's either black or white. Either I'm serving God or I'm serving the world. There's no gray. There's no gray with God, black or white. Another one is this. We're either guilty or forgiven. Or you're either in guilt God said in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation in those who love the Lord. Or you're forgiven. That's up to you. We're either sinners or saints. Joshua says in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what Joshua did? He took a stand. What about you and your household? What about you and your life? What do you like when you leave the church and the safety of the church? What do you like out there? Are you really being Christ-like? Is there missing piece really Jesus? You see, Jesus doesn't want lip service. He wants heart service. He wants heart service. God loves you that he showed it by giving his son. You show Jesus or God, you love him by giving him your whole heart. God desires to do a heart transplant in you. He can set you free and do new in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love this last scripture as we close. In Revelations 2, Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. It's Revelations I love studying Revelations. It's pretty deep. And I, I love Revelations. It makes you think when you read Revelations. It tells you how God's going to come to seven churches and so on. But in this particular passage, 
God is talking to the church and he's giving them a rebuke. In other words, he's saying to the church, you're going through the right motions, you're saying the right things, you're doing the right things, but you're not living life. And he says this, yet I hold this against you. Wow. I hold this against you. I, 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 you have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, the first love. God so loved the world. He loved you first. He loved you so much that he created you fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb and made you perfect. God created you. He loves you. He redeemed you, Jamie. He set you free. He created you fearfully and wonderfully, Lisa. Isn't that awesome? He said, but you have forsaken your first love. Why have you forsaken your first love? Because I'll tell you why. Because circumstances, pressures, situations in life, circumstances and pressures will always say no. They'll always say no. But promises always say yes. I can do all things. Yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But circumstances will tell you no. And they'll whittle at your faith. So therefore, you, you move away from your first love. You divorce your God. He said, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstands from its place. In other words, in other words, Jesus is saying that you walk off from underneath the protection of the umbrella, that my spirit will not go with you, that I, I, I can't honor that. I can't bless that. I can't receive that. God is light. In him there is no darkness. So we try to take God into a dark world, into a dark place in our life. God said, listen, no, you come to the light. Come out of the darkness, but come into the light. So I remove my presence. In other words, what he's saying to the church of Ephesus. And we wonder why we don't maybe sense God in his presence. Maybe because we got one foot in, left foot in. And we're doing a hokey pokey instead of being sold out to God. So you say, well, pastor, how do I come back home? Number one, realize you need Jesus. That's where it starts. God, I, I need to make it right with you. I need to make it right with you. Twelve people this first service made it right. Number two, the hard part. When I was an alcoholic, the hardest part for me to admit that I was an alcoholic was to admit that I was an alcoholic. And once I admitted that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, once I admitted that, guess what? Then I could be able to receive help. But when I fought that, I was always against that and resisted that, I could never receive help. But as soon as I admitted that, yeah, I need help, hey, I admit I'm wrong, then I was able to get clear. Ask him to come back. Ask him to come back again. God, please come back. Please, please come back. Forgive me, Lord. Come back in my heart. I know, God, that I squeezed you out. I know that I'm only running half empty for you. I know that I'm lukewarm. But, God, will you please come back and take control again? This is the big one, number four. When he does come back, you have to accept his forgiveness. After all, why in the world are you here today if we can't accept God's forgiveness? We can walk around like a bunch of stinking corpse full of garbage and junk, but because God has forgiven you, you're clean. You're made new in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're forgiven. Any man being Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed and the new have come. Take off those grave clothes of Lazarus and rise up and be who you are. 
But you only can take the grave clothes off if you accept his forgiveness. And lastly, walk out his love. The greatest gift to receive are not always easy. How many know that's true? They're not always easy. The greatest gift to receive. I, you know, but I've always found this. Usually the hardest gifts that I receive are often the most rewarding gifts that I get. Because I have to work for. I close with this. When I was going to a private school, I was going to Racine St. Catharines, and I was a ball player, and my schooling was paid for. So here I was at this private Catholic high school. My schooling was paid for. So because my schooling was paid for, I didn't take it serious. I just got under the radar just enough to play basketball, just enough to make it. But I was making clown of school. I was having fun. And I wasn't appreciating uh, the freebies that I got. But when I went to college and had to pay for it myself, it was a different story. It was a different story because it was coming out of my pocket. And I had to really work to get the grades because it was different. You see, with God, sometimes you have to work for it. And how you work for it is surrendering your heart. Saying, God, I'm going to get mine. If you're ashamed before men of my Father which is in heaven, I will be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. And so God says, listen, if you want to work it out in your life and you want the fullness of God, you have to surrender. You can't do lip service, but you got to do heart service. He doesn't want just friendship. He wants a relationship. Will you stand with me today? I feel in my heart today that God wants to do something big in your lives today. Some of you are really forfeiting really the blessings that God really has for you. And I'm not here to condemn you, put you down. I'm here to try to help you. I'm here to try to spur you on in the things of God so you can have the fullness of the Lord because he said you're adopted, you're adopted into the kingdom of God. You have the fullness and all the blessings that God has in store for you in Ephesians 1.3. And I want you to embark on that. So I want you to bow your heads with me today. No one looking around. This is a very sacred time. Very sacred time. And I know it's a tough time, but remember, good gifts are usually the hardest gifts to get, but they're the best ones to receive. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, is there anyone here today? Say, Pastor, I want to make things right with you. I want to make things right with God. I don't want him to just be a bystander in my life. I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I totally want to surrender my life to him. Maybe you haven't been walking the ways you should be, but you want to make it right. If that's you today, we just lift your hand. Yes, I see a hand already. Yes, I see another hand. Anyone else say, Pastor, I want, I want to make it right. Two hands so far. Anyone else? Three hands. Anyone else? Four hands. Anyone else? Five hands. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to make it right. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Don't miss this call. Don't leave the same way you came. Anyone else? One. Anyone else? Five hands so far. Two. Anyone else? Yes, another hand just went up. Two. Six hands. Seven hands. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to make it right. Two and a half. I know there's more. I know there's more. Just, just slip your hand up today. Three. Will you look at me, everybody, now? There are seven hands here today. Is that a coincidence? Completion. Twelve in the first, seven now. Here, I want to do something. If you mean business, if you mean business with God, and you raised your hand, you step out, let me pray with you. Come on. 
Come on, let's welcome them. Come on, come on. They're coming. Come on. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's others. Come on. Come on. Come on. Look at that. God's just blessing her already. Look at that. There's others. If you don't feel comfortable coming, that's okay. But I need some warriors, Lisa and Quinn and come Arlu. Just come and gather around these guys this morning. There was others that raised their hand. That's okay. I understand. But this morning, will we all pray this together? I'm going to call you Mrs. Beasley. I love you. This is Mrs. Beasley. Amen. I, I, I just thank the world of you. No matter what you're going through in life, you're still here. God bless you. We, we all pray this prayer together today. And all those that came forward, young man, this is your second time. Last week, and now you're giving your heart to Jesus. God bless you, man. I mean that. It's a great young man right here. Many of you know this guy. He's coming back home. And the family rejoices when the family's complete. Amen. God is completing the family. I want to repeat this together, all of us. Pray out loud with all these people. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me, for receiving me again. I ask, Lord Jesus, that today you'd come into my heart. Lord, take away the wrongs, the faults, the failures in my life. Thank you for a new start, a new beginning with you. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you become the Lord and Savior of my life. I welcome you home, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord praise. Amen. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Amen. Now, if they're new babies in Christ, what you need to do before you leave, introduce yourself to somebody. And rally around them. Let them know you love them. God bless you. Thank you for understanding No Miracle Sunday tonight. God bless you. Have a great day. Let's welcome these newbies. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. If you would like to give a financial gift to the pastoral staff at Adventure Church, please visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Our online giving is simple and secure. Thank you so much for your generous gifts. They truly are a blessing.